The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Tom Brady having some fun at Disney World. I don't know what to add to that. Miles Simmons, Mike Florio here with you on PFTPM, a Thursday edition. Our unbroken streak of shows since the start of not the 2020 football season. I think we debuted a week into the football season. The streak ended yesterday because I was out of commission for a colonoscopy and an endoscopy. But as it turned out, Miles, I actually walked back in the door at 4.50 p.m. Eastern, and I was ready to go. It may have been an interesting show, but I would have come up and I would have muddled through it, and God only knows what I would have said under the lingering influence of propofol, which I feel like is still pulsing through my veins a day later. Good afternoon. How are you? I'm doing great, Mike. I'm probably not as good as you were yesterday, probably around this time, based on the text messages I was receiving in the PFT group from you. But uh, you know what? I'm still good on a Thursday, man. It's a great day. My wife should have confiscated my phone, not before the procedure, (laughs) after the procedure. She gave it back to me way too quickly. I was feeling good yesterday (laughs) afternoon, and that's the best part about it. We're going to talk more about this later when we open the mailbag, but... For all the negative things, and you can list several that relate to the entire colonoscopy process, they they give you a pretty good nap and a pretty good feeling once you emerge from that nap. And then when I got home, I took an even better nap in lieu of doing the show. And also, I'm disappointed you had your chance. You and Shireen could have conspired and tried to take over yesterday. I could have been Wally Pipped. Wally Pipped took the day off and nobody showed up. I guess I'm relieved. (laughs) <laughs> I don't have the controls, man. I, I don't even know what I'm supposed to say to that. Like, I mean, I, was that it when I given me the opportunity? You, I would have been there, though. Let me tell you that. That tells me you tried. You tried. Lou Gehrig just couldn't <laughs> find a bat. That's that's the bottom line. All right. All right, Turd uh, Ferguson. For Let's the, get the show going. Uh, yes, thank you. Thank you. Turd Ferguson here in the flesh, baby. All right, let's get to it. Uh and, and this is one of those moments where we're yucking it up, we're having fun, and then we have to do and get serious. The Deshaun Watson case still percolating. Some developments today. And once again, we're only going to talk about it when there's news. We're not going to go out of our way to talk about it. We'd rather not talk about it. I'd rather it have never happened. I'd rather that these incidents that underpin the 22 lawsuits against Deshaun Watson and now at least two individuals who have gone to the police had never occurred. Whatever transpired in those moments I wish that those things had never even had the occasion to occur, that we wouldn't have the ability to discuss this for a minute or a second. But here we are. And today what happened was for the first time, Deshaun Watson, through his lawyer, Rusty Harden, answered one of the cases in court with a strategy that I believe will apply to all of the cases except the two where we now know the names of plaintiffs. That would leave 20 cases where the plaintiff is proceeding under the Jane Doe pseudonym, an effort by Deshaun Watson to get 
the case is dismissed unless the individuals attach their names to it. It's not a very complicated high-end legal argument. It's based on the Texas Rules of Civil Procedure, and the argument is only minor children can proceed with pseudonyms as plaintiffs. You have to give enough information in a lawsuit so the person knows who is suing them. And the sad commentary in all of this, Miles, frankly, and I know Deshaun Watson's camp isn't real thrilled about this point being made, but the reality is the guy's had so many private massages over the course of the last two years, he can't figure out who the people are. He can't keep track. He's had so many. He doesn't know who's suing him because he's had so many massages over the last two years. He can't piece it all back together again. So, uh, look, I, I thought this was going to be the approach, and this is just the first step in what could be a long and convoluted and drawn-out process. But, yeah, for the individuals whose names aren't out there, Rusty Harden, on behalf of Deshaun Watson, trying to get the names to be released. Yeah, I think what you, the point that you just made that uh, Deshaun Watson's had so many masseuses that he can't figure out which ones they are. I mean, they've been able to identify 18 that at least were able to speak in favor of Deshaun Watson with that statement uh, that was released or the statements, I should say, that were released last week. But then you add that to the 22 that we already know of who have sued him under the pseudonym Jane Doe. And now we have uh, at least 40 cases of him getting private massages. So that's the only ones that we know of, right? I'm sure that there could be more individuals out there, So, but we're already at upwards of 40. And so once you start getting into that territory, it, it really feels like it's an almost unheard of situation for a professional athlete to go to that many different folks just to get a massage. That, I think, is, I agree with you, Mike, just one of these weird, unfortunate things that are coming out from Deshaun Watson's camp. That, that It's just an unintended point that they obviously are making because this is the thing that is now out there, and this is what they have to contend with in order to start to get these cases resolved. There will be one or more hearings tomorrow morning on the emergency petition to have these individuals named. And I, I frankly think that what the strategy here is, because I, I don't want to get too deep into the legal weeds, but you don't have to have an emergency hearing. You just file a response to the complaint in every case saying we ask that the case be dismissed unless the individual identify her name. But that would take some time to play out. There would be a brief submitted on behalf of of Deshaun Watson. Then there's a period of time that goes by. A brief is submitted on behalf of Tony Busby's clients in each of these 21 cases. There's a hearing in each of the 21 cases. That takes time. I think what's going on here, Miles, is that Rusty Harden has taken this approach to apply settlement pressure to Tony Busby in order to get him to come to the table in a clear, predictable linear fashion my guess is and this is just a guess my guess is they've had a hard time pinning tony busby down regarding the potential of discussing settlement because he understands the value of chaos at this juncture of the litigation because from deshaun watson's perspective to the extent that he has had his wake-up call and i would guess that he has by now especially after Tuesday's press conference, that Deshaun Watson is willing and ready, and he's definitely able to find a way to reach a settlement that is acceptable to each of these 22 individuals and move on with his life, take whatever punishment the league office may mete out against him. And I think at this point, with this many cases, and after what we saw Tuesday from Ashley Solis, there will be punishment. But you can't clear the decks. 
You can't move forward with your career. You can't get traded to Miami or wherever you would like to be traded if this litigation is going to linger and linger and linger. So by having this hearing tomorrow, by trying to get a ruling from the judge that would say all of these individuals have to either release their names or go away, basically, then that is the occasion for some of them, most of them, but not all of them, because two of them have already come forward with their names, to sit down and try to settle these cases if it's valuable to them to never have their names disclosed. That's the key. There's value to them in not having their names disclosed. That value translates to the potential to settle the case. I really do think that's what this is about. There's always something going on behind what's happening on the front lines in litigation. And I think behind the scenes, they're trying to pin down Tony Busby, and this is the way to pressure him to come to the table and have a meaningful discussion so Deshaun Watson can try to get this settled so he can get traded to a team other than the Texans and move on with his career. After he has his reckoning, he makes amends with everyone involved and then takes whatever punishment he's going to get from 345 Park Avenue. Well, right. There's going to be some sort of accountability from the league office, and he has to take accountability for his own actions in whatever that form that may take. And obviously, when we're talking about civil suits, which is what we are in settlements, then that form is going to at least be money. And I think at least at this point, because of the way the court of public opinion has uh, gone, I guess we can say right now, especially after the press conference with Ashley Solis, I mean, you can't tell me that anybody who would watch that press conference, that would listen to what she had to say, that even would read what she had to say, would not be compelled by that. I mean, it was it was very, very compelling as a statement. So I think just based off of all of these different things, there has to be some sort of accountability that he has to take in order for not only him to move on, but just for the league office to then say, okay, here is what the appropriate punishment is going to be out of that. And I think that's going to be one of the most interesting things that comes out of this, because how do you even start to quantify what a punishment should be when you have this many cases and then some of them obviously are going to have to be settled. Maybe not all of them will be. It, it, it's a very, very complex situation, at least in my reading of it. And here's one of the reasons that settlement has value to Deshaun Watson and why Tony Busby may put his thumb on the scale. And this is all legitimate. Look, when you are trying to acquire justice for your clients, cash equals justice. The bigger the settlement, the bigger the verdict, the more justice you've acquired for your client. And for the lawyers who handle cases like this, you've seen the TV commercials. We don't get paid unless we get money for you. I remember when I was a kid and the litigation boom first started and I was very confused. Like, wait a minute, you don't get paid? You don't get anything unless you settle? Well, that's not a very smart way to go about your business. What happens is you get a piece of the recovery. That's your incentive. That's what keeps your doors open. That's what pays your overhead. That's what allows you, if you're Tony Busby, to have a Rolls Royce or a Bentley or whatever that one car is that was in a an airport getting out of and his Ferrari and, you know, his ranch and all this. He's made money. He's been effective. He's boasts $2 billion in recovery for his clients over the years. You, you only take on cases where you can prove liability, there is significant damages, and you know that the person you're suing has the money to pay. That's what you do, and you jack up the price as best you can. And when you have a tiger by the tail, like he does into Sean Watson, 
you pull until you get the maximum recovery for your client. And there's value here. And part of what he can give on behalf of his clients, Miles, and this ties back to what the NFL can or can't do, he can give to Deshaun Watson a commitment that these individuals won't cooperate. And I know that seems a little skeevy and seedy and wrong, but but that that's fair. It's proper. Confidentiality agreement. NDA. This is part of what you bargained for. These individuals will not co- cooperate with the NFL. This is one of the big flaws in the NFL's investigative process, Miles. They can't compel anyone to talk other than Deshaun Watson. Now, that doesn't stop them from bringing in Deshaun Watson and asking extensive questions about why in the world do you have 40 different people giving you massages? And was there consensual sex that happened at these? And what's your version in response to these allegations? But if you don't have cooperation of the alleged victims, it makes it a little bit difficult to have a significant punishment under the personal conduct policy. But think back to Ben Roethlisberger. He got suspended ultimately four games for being sued for rape in Nevada. That never was resolved in court. I assume it was settled at some point. I, I recall it's one of those things that was so long ago I forget, but it, it never went to court. He was punished before it ever would have gone to court. And then he had the incident in Georgia in early 2010 that never was a lawsuit, never was an arrest, never was anything. And he got suspended four games for two. Here you got 22. Good luck if you're the NFL coming up with the right punishment for Deshaun Watson. I still think there's a chance he faces a significant, significant punishment. But you can't even get to the point where the NFL is ready to punish you while these cases are pending. He could be out of action for a year or two and then get punished on the back end. So this is his best move. Right. And that's what I think the commissioner's exemplus is, is for, right? And, you know, you've been calling for this for the last couple of days that he needs to immediately go on the commissioner's exemplus because, look, the Texans have enough problems already. I mean, we can say that from a football standpoint. And now we say it from a Deshaun Watson standpoint that they don't necessarily need the circus of also having to answer for something where they really can't say very much of anything because, I mean, look, it's not necessarily on the Texans what Deshaun Watson has done in his personal time. However, he is still an employee of the Houston Texans. So at a certain point, yes, they're going to be asked questions about it. But I think just from what, whatever standpoint we're at right now, there's no reason for Deshaun Watson to be anywhere near a football facility at this point in time. And the only the, the best way to do that is to put him on the commissioner's exempt list. And now, look, there's still a couple of weeks or a week or two. I actually don't know when April 19th is because I don't know what day it is because time is an illusion at this point in my life. Um, but that's when the offseason program is supposed to begin. There's still a little bit of time before that. So they don't have to do this immediately, but it's almost like I feel like it's something that could be a Friday news dump tomorrow where we're about to get on the air or we're already on the air, Mike. And then we all of a sudden hear that, oh, yeah, this is something that's happened because they have to do something to just do something at this point. How do you not know what day it is? It's April 8th, the six month <laughs> countdown to your 30th birthday. It's not. But Did I get uh, it? Did I get it? Did I no. get it? <laughs> Oh, I tried. No, but you're got, trying, you're, you're you're in the ballpark, but you're not quite in. right. The uh, walls are closing in. We're eventually uh, going to get there. We're going to figure out when Miles' birthday is. All right. Um, yeah, I, I, and uh, another point that we talked about today on PFT Live, and I want to emphasize this. I don't know this, but I believe that Deshaun Watson. If these cases are still lingering when training camp starts, you know, we have been conditioned to believe there's no way he's showing up. There's no way he's showing up. I think he's showing up. If he's not already on the commissioner exempt list, yeah. I think he's showing yep. up. 
because you hold out, you don't play, you give up $20 million in fines, forfeiture, salary. You show up, you get put on the commissioner exempt list, you get paid $10 million plus in salary to not play for the Texans. So circumstances have changed dramatically for Deshaun Watson, and I think he will be there if he's not already put on the commissioner exempt list. But as I said yesterday, Miles, I know what the NFL's strategy is. There's no reason to create a major headline. NFL puts Deshaun Watson on paid leave. No reason to do it in the offseason when there's nothing to be put on leave from. But I think at some point it's on the NFL to react in a way that is stronger than issuing the perfunctory statement that says we're deeply disturbed by the allegations. Everyone's deeply disturbed by the allegations. That's not good enough. I think what the NFL needs to do here, what it has an obligation to do in order to prove that it takes this seriously, is do it now. Put him on the commissioner exempt list now, pending the resolution of all of these cases. Because then I, I think what it does, it kind of takes off the table this whole beat the clock idea of what you know. Well, well we got to get this done before he's put on the commissioner exempt list. Look, put him on the commissioner exempt list. Allow these cases to play out. If a settlement's going to happen, so be it. If not, fight it. But but we don't have this worry of. Well, you know, you better go ahead and and write a big check because otherwise they're going to put you on the commissioner exempt list. They can say they already did. So we can set that aside and let's focus about what's right for everyone so we can get these cases resolved. Exactly. And that's that's I think the biggest thing is that it has to be something that works out for everybody who is not necessarily Deshaun Watson. That's I think at the forefront of my mind when you get these kinds of allegations, it doesn't necessarily have to be the best thing for him. But I think for the organization, for the the, the people who he allegedly assaulted, these are the people who we got to keep in mind. And I think that by doing this, it's better for everybody involved because, like you said, there's no race against the clock. There's no, oh, no, this is about to training camp is about to happen. There's nothing is like that. So I think it also kind of, if you look at it from the league office standpoint, it also kind of takes that decision out of the hands of the Houston Texans who would assume I would maybe assume say like, Hey, you can probably stay away from any off season activity, mandatory mini camp training camp, what have you until these cases are resolved. Right? So if you do that from the league office, it also takes that pressure off of the Houston Texans. I think that that is just the way to do it for everybody involved to show that, Hey, we're taking this seriously. And also we know that there has to eventually be some sort of resolution and some sort of accountability. And this is kind of our avenue of making sure that that can happen without Deshaun Watson being on a roster currently. And Texans would have a very strong reason to want everything to get resolved so they could trade Deshaun Watson and not pay him anything this year and get value in return for his services. So The hearings are tomorrow. There's at least two of them, and I believe this is about forcing Tony Busby to the table to try to settle these cases before the draft in the hopes of getting Deshaun Watson traded before the draft. There's still hope if they can do this. And again, in saying it, I'm not suggesting that Deshaun Watson pay hush money or make it go away or, you know, look, he needs to stand up, take his reckoning, make things right with each of these 22 individuals. It's not going to be easy to do, but I think he needs to do it. Now, he was a Clemson quarterback, the latest Clemson quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, expected to be the first overall pick in the draft, which begins three weeks from tonight. Trevor Lawrence will not be in Indianapolis for a medical check. This is one of the defects in the team's overall base of information as it relates to this year's players because there was no scouting combine. Usually what would happen is right about now, 
the players who had red flags in February would gather in Indianapolis for the medical recheck. This is the first opportunity to get a look at these guys. Trevor Lawrence had shoulder surgery, non-throwing shoulder, torn labrum, supposedly going to be fine in time for training camp, although a five- to six-month timeline from when he had surgery gets into training camp. So I'm not quite sure when he's going to be ready to go, but he's not ready to go to Indianapolis because it just so happens he's getting married this weekend. And I am not so cynical, Miles, that I believe he scheduled his wedding so he wouldn't have to go get checked out because he's trying to hide something. But I will say this. When I see Ian Rappaport of NFL Media say, per source or whatever, Trevor Lawrence is just fine, it's coming from his agent, and there's no way his agent is going to say anything other than he's just fine, even if they accidentally amputated his left arm during that shoulder surgery. Well, I think we saw a picture of him today, and wasn't he at the the Masters down in Georgia? So I think that his left arm is still uh, attached. Yeah, Could, there be he is. Could be a prosthetic. Could be a prosthetic. We don't know well, for sure. Well, he's not going to throw with it anyway, Mike. So who cares? I mean, if it's a prosthetic, you know, <laughs> that almost might be better. Maybe he could become an ambidextrous quarterback. I don't even know why you're making me talk like this, man. But yeah, I, I think that what you're saying is correct, right? Like, they're not going to say, oh, no, Trevor Lawrence is not going to be ready for anything. And even if that were the case, if I'm Trevor Lawrence, I might just tell him to kick rocks. You know, like, what do you what more do you need to see, man? I went out there and I was a true freshman and I won a national championship. Look at what I did at my pro day. I had a great day. I was throwing darts everywhere, except for maybe in the red zone. Uh, I feel like he had a couple of misfires there when I watched that thing. But at the same time, you know what he can do. You know he's a winner. He's been the presumptive number one overall pick in the 2021 draft since he was a true freshman. Okay, if if this is something that's going to change, unless it was something that was very, very serious, that could be career threatening, this is not something that you need to really talk all that much about. I think that it's fine. Urban Meyer obviously wants him. They're going to pick him. He can go get married and hopefully he will have a great life with his wife. And Miles, I long for the day that one of these top prospects tells the entire process, every team, the league as a whole to kick rocks. I'll see you at the draft or not at the draft unless you pay me an appearance fee. I'm done. I'm done working for free. I'm done practicing for free. I'm done doing anything for free. Draft me or don't. And if you don't, one of your competitors will. It reminds me of one of the all-time great draft stories, Deion Sanders. I think it was the Giants who had this big, thick questionnaire or quiz or personality assessment or whatever it was. And they wanted Deion Sanders to fill it out. And he said to him, and I'm paraphrasing, and I think I have the right team, but it was something along the lines of, wait, when do you pick? And the Giants told him where their selection was in the 1989 draft and he said I'll be gone by then see ya and and that's just great that is just great that is awesome and I can't wait for someone at the top to do that these guys are so conditioned though to submit submit that's what football is about submit got to submit to the authority of the coach submit to the authority of the team submit to the authority of the league submit to the authority of this and I I guess one guy who stands away from the rest it would be a red flag but you know what If you've got the talent, you deserve to be that red flag because that red flag is still going to be flying in the front lawn of the team that holds the first pick in the draft, Miles. 
production equals tolerance, right? And that's the that's the one thing that I have definitely learned about the NFL. If you are productive, if you are good enough, then they're going to allow you to do things that a lesser player would not be able to do. You know, you always talk about the coach where in training camp, you know, how many times has this happened where one guy uh, gets a girl in and it's the star player and the coach gets so mad he cuts the, the worst wide receiver on the team. Don't ever do that. That's the kind of thing that we're almost talking about, right? It's production. It's the tolerance. If it were somebody who were a lesser quarterback that we didn't know was going to be the number one overall pick in the draft, then yeah, this might be a little bit different, but we've all seen it from Trevor Lawrence. We all know that Trevor Lawrence is very, very talented. Will he be a successful pro quarterback? Yeah, that's still up in the air, but he's earned the right to be the number one overall pick in the draft and to get married whenever he feels like it likes. He ever no no uh, I didn't land the plane there oh boy that's all right that's all right hey, I, as a yeah. guy who has crashed many a plane mm. into Oof. the runway that's fine join the club that just shows you're on track you know you're not living you're not talking you're not doing the job if you're not screwing up from time to time so that's good a you've done this long enough now the personality now. of then its head crack. coach I'm taking on just your a little wind shear yeah. just a little wind shear as you were trying to <laughs> land the plane no big deal Anthony Munoz being added to the brand new Bengals ring of honor along with Paul Brown team founder they're gonna name two more as well they think Ken Anderson is going to be one of those two additional uh members charter members of the ring of honor Anthony Munoz hopes that the Bengals with the fifth overall pick in this year's draft will take Penny Sewell what a shock left tackle wants the Bengals (laughs) to take a left tackle I would say starting quarterback would very much like the Bengals to take a left tackle so he has a better chance of of avoiding the kind of devastating knee injury that he suffered in his rookie year so no brainer and the Bengals are in a great spot at number five they essentially have because they wouldn't take a quarterback anyway it's like having the second overall pick in the draft behind the Falcons and if the Falcons take a quarterback it's like having the first overall pick in the draft because this is who if it goes quarterback 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 which would be awesome if it happens it's great news for the Bengals because they've got pick one in the draft in the five slot because it's the guy they would have taken first overall. And maybe it will be Sewell. Maybe it'll be a receiver. But they're in a position to get a great player who can come in and help build around the franchise quarterback. Not Justin Herbert. That was Sewell's teammate at Oregon. But Joe Burrow, the guy who was the first overall pick last year. So this is a great development for the Bengals. Whoever they take, all this quarterback top talk at the top of the draft is good, good news for the Cincinnati Bengals, Miles. No doubt. And, you know, I think that if you are the Cincinnati Bengals, the one thing I would object to that you just said is that it's a no-brainer. I don't know that it's a no-brainer that they will take Penny Sewell because they also have a guy that's going to be there in Jamar Chase who was so, so good with Joe Burrow the year that they won that national championship in 2019. So the reporting has been that Joe Burrow has been in the year of Duke Tobin. Maybe he's saying some things about how good Chase can be on that offense and you pair him with T Higgins, who knows how good they can be really. So I think that that's one thing that if they aren't going to take Sewell, then that's probably who they would go with. But if it's me and if I just came off a devastating knee injury, I would want that left tackle, especially with a guy who, as he said, plays with the kind of violent intentions that he does at left tackle. But yeah, I mean, we look at Jamar Chase, look at everything he did. He deserves to be a top five, top eight pick. I agree with you. And look, I'm sorry if I misspoke. It's a no-brainer they're going to get a guy that's going to make the team better. I didn't Ah. mean to say it's a no-brainer they're going to take Sewell, whether it's Chase, Ah. whether it's Devontae Smith. What? You doubt me? Are you doubting me? Is that what you're doing? Yes, I am.
That is what I'm doing because that's not really what you said at all. I'm sorry. I'm sorry if that's what I said. Well, I apologize. I'm still under the influence of propofol. That's my excuse. And again, you had your chance to Wally pit me yesterday and you blew it. And I I wasn't given the opportunity. Well, you engineer the opportunity. You make things happen. You work behind the scenes. A little skullduggery, a little little sabotage, a little cloak and dagger. And see, all's fair. You got to have some Machiavelli in you to make it in this business, kid. All right. I'm just kidding. Uh, unless I'm not. Let's take a break. we got plenty more PFD PM still to come. We'll be right back. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. CJ Mosley, Jets linebacker, vaccinated. I thought you weren't supposed to put your cards on social media. I, regardless, he's got, I think he's got, he's got some private information covered up so there can be no forgery there can be no foul play involved but but here's tom that that what in the world is that i don't think that's a vaccination i think you need to get that checked by dr van nostrand i think that could be a melanoma on your arm there tom gee i there's 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 more freckles than skin on that arm holy crap good yeah, to see you got dr. vaccinated there hey uh it was that your second shot or your first one First shot, first shot came on Easter. It was one of those situations where I had a, a friend who was working at a pharmacy and they had cracked all their vaccines for the day. And they said, can you get down here in 15 minutes? Because uh, we got one. So if you want to get down here and get shot up, I said, I'll be right there. Hey, so. And we encourage everybody to get it when they're able to get it. Miles, you've had your first jab. You're waiting for jab number two, right? Yes. Jab number two is going to be on April 18th. I know what that day is. Well, that's good. And I think that everyone, this is my mom's birthday too, everyone out there, when you get your chance to get vaccinated, get the vaccine. It is safe, it is effective, and it is allowing us to get back to normal. The show is anything but normal when Tom Curran joins us, and he's with us now on loan from NBC Sports Boston. What's been the fallout, Tom, locally? of the comments last week from owner Robert Kraft, where he was very candid about Mm -hmm. draft problems that the team has had in recent years and the current struggles of the franchise. What's been the reaction to that? I think it was eye-widening for people to hear Robert Kraft specifically criticize Bill Belichick in no uncertain terms. 
you know, actually, I say that, and he didn't. He criticized the performance of the team in certainly ways that he is entitled to. Haven't drafted well. No lie there. Can't make all, all of our moves in free agency. We have to draft better. No lies there. Um, I just think that for a team that is so cloistered and tight-lipped, it was interesting to hear Robert Kraft speak so frankly. Look, he's 80. And Belichick's 69. And I think those things have to enter into the conversation. All due respect to what he's done, but we're not sitting around and thinking that seven and nine, eight and eight, and ten and six are okay given what we do and how good Bill is. So then what is the remedy for that this year? Do you see the Patriots making a move in the first round to maybe trade up? Miles, I don't. I think that. And Mike Lombardi was very good on it, I thought, on his podcast on the Ringer, the uh, GM Shuffle podcast. He talked about the fact that there are going to be grades on players. And once you get past those first three quarterbacks who are definitely going to go, then you're talking about numbers. Are the grades on uh, Matt Jones or Trey Lance going to have them as what would be top 10 quarterbacks in the league? And that's how Mike Lombardi was defining it when you get to that point. And probably not. My guess is all those quarterbacks and all those wide receivers and Kyle Pitts thrown in and the tackle here and there are going to drive down the board a really good player who's probably going to have better relevance to the Patriots more quickly than a projected quarterback. And that, to me, is the interesting shuffle, Mike, when you think about it. What's better, the best linebacker or the developmental quarterback with high upside? And then you have to add in 88-year-old, 80-year-old owner, 69-year-old head coach. You almost made Robert Kraft 88. And let me just correct you because he's not quite 80 yet. He's not 80 okay, until June. And, okay. and I suspect, I suspect if I were pushing a milestone birthday and someone was trying to give me that next number before I was there, I wouldn't be happy about it. Let me enjoy the last two months of being 79, okay. please. That would be my Can I'm confirm. Just, just, we want, and, and we also want to be accurate here. Miles, who is facing down 30 at some point between now and October the 8th, can confirm that. Um, what do you think the chances are, though? Let's say they stay put at 15. Let's say one of these guys sneaks through. A Justin Field somehow sneaks mm -hmm. through. I, I haven't taken a first-round quarterback since Drew Bledsoe, number one overall in 1993. One reason is they went 20 years with Tom Brady, and there was no reason to. But right. w would it be a temptation to, to get that guy that you could make the next 10, 15-year quarterback of the team if if he happens to slip through the cracks and be there when the Patriots are on the clock? It has to be, you know, and that's the interesting thing when we do talk about grades. You know, the Patriots might have been married to grades in 2018. They drafted Sonny Michelle at 31. At 32, Lamar Jackson goes. Sonny Michelle helped them win a Super Bowl in 2018, but has been probably at best a part-time but somewhat – productive running back since Lamar Jackson's got an MVP. So would they be better off if they take him Lamar Jackson or did they have a great look? He's a third round pick. If he's there, we'll take him then, but his grade isn't high enough. So what will the persuasiveness of a fields be or a Trey Lance be if he's still sitting there, if they're still sitting there at, at 15, what's the upside? How quickly can they help you win? What's interesting guys is the floor the Patriots operate on because Bill Belichick is their head coach. They had the worst roster in, in football offensively last year, if you ask me. Decent offensive line to better offensive line. Okay running backs, but embarrassingly bad at the wide receiver and tight end positions. 
a non-starter as a, as a passer in Cam Newton. And they still won seven games. They, so their floor is so high that to upgrade those positions that were embarrassing last year, make them what? Nine and seven, not well, nine and eight, <clears throat> 10 and seven. Hard to get used to. Yeah. I know. So that, that to me becomes the question. Do you want to get Micah Parsons? Do you want to get the successor to Stephon Gilmore and take Caleb Farley? Or if he's still sitting there, do you want to take the left tackle of the future? Um, or do you want to try and get a quarterback who may or may not be ready in two or three years because, wow, you need a quarterback? Well, but when you look at the division, though, and you see that Buffalo's got Josh Allen, Miami, you know, they've got two attack of Iloa. Jury's still out on him. Jets are going to get Zach Wilson. I think we all know mm-hmm. that, and the jury will still be out on him. Does that maybe create some urgency to make sure that they have their quarterback, maybe not just of the future, but even of the present on the roster? It's so fair. It's a fair question, but here's what I would say. How many darts did the Bills have to throw at the board in the top five or top 10 to get the guy. And the Patriots are still at 15. The Jets are going to throw a second dart in three years at a top five pick. Miami, we know the litany of quarterbacks who started there. So it's it's hard to predict. It's, it's how well do you think Trey Lance and Justin Fields and or Mac Jones are going to perform if he's the guy that's, that slips, which I think he should. I think he's probably going to have the, the lowest ceiling of the group, highest or lowest ceiling. Um, which one do you want? Which one do you want to, to say, okay, that guy is going to be our future here if he's not spectacular? I mean, to me, I look at Mac Jones and say, best case scenario, Kirk Cousins. Worst case, Colt McCoy. Tom, Jimmy Garoppolo's name has been in circulation the past two weeks after the 49ers mm-hmm. move up from 12 to 3 to draft a quarterback. It's clear that's what they're doing. It's clear Jimmy Garoppolo's not in their plans. It's clear the 49ers are trying to posture for a trade. I don't think anyone wants to touch a $25 million compensation package for Jimmy Garoppolo. Could be a Trent Brown type of a deal where Jimmy takes less, reasonable draft pick along those lines. Could the Patriots be in play for something like that with Jimmy G for significantly less than $25 million, mid to late round pick to the 49ers? add him to the mix I know you believe that in the past do you see it happening now that it's clear he's not going to be with the 49ers over the long haul in conversations I've had in order to trade for Jimmy Garoppolo and bring him on and get him to accept a pay cut that's almost a non-starter from what I understand because if you're going to trade for him you're saying okay we just added all these pieces we want you to be our trigger man and why don't you take a pay cut too because 25 million for a player that you're going to trade for it's not insane the way the quarterback prices have risen. So you can't bring him in and say, why don't you play for 18 or 20 or re- redo your contract? I just don't think it's something that would be as appealing to him. So you're going to have to wait for him to get cut and then be the highest bidder and then figure it out. To me, the simpler way to do it with simply almost an East Coast version of Jimmy Garoppolo is to go get Teddy Bridgewater, send a fourth round pick to the Carolina Panthers, maybe even a third. And you bring on a guy who's $8 million less, who's just as accurate, who may be just about as durable, is as good a leader. It's the same guy. I mean, am I nuts on that? Everybody I mentioned it to says, yeah, kind of. Well, I, I mean, I, I covered the first part of Teddy Bridgewater's season with the Panthers last year. And I, I mean, I just wasn't very impressed with the way that he played. I mean, I know that he's a guy that has won games, but he's also someone who doesn't seem to be able to necessarily elevate you past the the point of diminishing returns uh, if that mm-hmm. makes any sense 
It does. It's like 10 and 2. He's got his hands at 10 and 2. Is he going to uh, make... Yes. Is he going to lift all boats? I don't know if Jimmy does. I, Cam Newton certainly doesn't. Jared Stidham may not. But there's that... Yeah, you're right, Miles. It's, who lifts all boats? How many guys do that, Mike? Well, and speaking of guys lifting boats, the question is how many boats are going to be in the water? Julian Edelman, there's a report that it's doubtful he'll be able to play the entire 2021 season. You know Edelman well. Where do things stand currently with his health and and his ability? And is there some flicker at the core of this where Edelman's trying to finagle a path to Tampa Bay in a reunion with Tommy and Gronk? From the people I've spoken to, my understanding is that first health-wise, the procedure that he had done last year was really to get him back to where he was in August. He was so battered in 2019, shoulder, knee, ribs, um, that he came off the field that year, really diminished. His knee never really healed fully, and then it worsened during the year. When he had a procedure done during the year, it was to bring him back to where he was at the start. It didn't fix everything. So it's more of a take the field, hope, and see how it goes. So the report, and I think it was from Karen DeRegion, that there's doubt that he'll play every game. That's certainly, I think, that we would all take the under on 17 games for Julian Edelman. But will he still have value? Yes. And one interesting thing about Edelman, in contrast to an Amendola or a Gronk or a Brady, is that he kind of does bleed Patriots silver, blue, whatever it is. So he might not want to go anywhere else. I think that he has that affection, affinity, and loyalty to Bill Belichick that those other guys were able to get out of their systems, put it that way. That that is the one thing I wanted to ask you about Edelman is just where do you put him in terms of importance as a wide receiver in Patriots history? Because he seems like he should be up there. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the Mount Rushmore Patriots wide receivers would be, I think, Certainly Stanley Morgan from the 70s and 80s, Edelman. And then I guess you would say Moss. I might, I hate to miss somebody else, but Moss and and I guess Dion Branch. That's that's it. And Edelman's certainly there too. Edelman is a punt returner. Look, Edelman wins three Super Bowls while he's here. He helps throw them to a win in 2014 over the Ravens. Um, he's the MVP of the Super Bowl win over the Rams. He... He makes the ridiculous catch against the Falcons. I think he's probably and Welker should be included in that too. But I think he's probably the best wide receiver in terms of production, performance, and big game moments in Patriots history. No Chad Jackson? Where's Chad Jackson on that list? But there really is a long list of failures at the receiver position. And that takes me to my yeah. last question for you, Tom. How surprised were you by the fact that somebody's blabbing, whether it's someone who's there or someone who's no longer there? The Albert Breer report that Bill Belichick went off the board to pick and kill Harry. Scouts had A.J. Brown, Debo Samuel ranked higher. Belichick goes it alone. Harry's a bust. The other two are pretty good. Usually that's the kind of stuff that doesn't make its way to the media. Mm -hmm. Surprised it did? Not entirely just because of the intimations I've heard over the years and from different player people in the organization, not players necessarily, but look, in the end, it's acknowledged that Bill, for whatever his salary is, and it was bandied about that it might be more than $20 million earlier this year, um, that he has final say. And final say does not 
include talking to area scouts, does not include talking to, you know, the college scouting director necessarily. It's Bill, it's Ernie Adams, it's Nick Casario. And people who grew up at Belichick's elbow or right hand don't necessarily say, Bill, this is the wrong call. What's interesting is, though, when you watch the video from the war room with Nikhil Harry being selected, Belichick stares and stares and stares at the board. And he has Nick Casario saying to him, it's Harry. It's Harry here, Bill. It's Harry. So I don't know. I mean, someone unveiled the, the process to get to Harry. Um, but it was I, I did see your sleuthing. I know that that goes against all the unwritten's. But it is something we always do in the media. Where'd that come from? And I think that you're probably exactly right. Well, and look, the reason I believed what I believe is because if you look between the lines last week to what Robert Kraft said, the guy who's not there anymore, who was there last year, a potential target for the criticism that Robert Kraft has levied on the draft process. On that note, we will bid farewell and say thank you to Tom Curran of NBC Sports Boston for some of his time. And we'll be back with more PFTPM right after this. During this morning's PFT Live, we asked for odds for Teddy Bridgewater's next destination and points bet deliver. There they are. Now, I'll say this. Carolina, plus 150, I'm not taking that action. I don't want any part of that because I don't think he's going to play for Carolina. He's got $17 million in salary this year. $10 million of it is guaranteed. I think he's gone before week one, and if they have to cut him, they'll cut him. They're not paying him $17 million. He's not going to take a pay cut to be back up to Sam Darnold. Denver, I think, makes sense. Other teams not on the board, 49ers, Seahawks, they make sense as well. Buccaneers make sense if he's cut and the Buccaneers then sign would be Tom Brady's backup. I know there's a report the Bucs aren't interested. I just think that's part of the dance to make sure the Panthers don't think they're going to get something in return for Teddy Bridgewater. Miles, we put that up there because our draft today, and we only have time for one pick each, trades that we think will slash should slash could happen over the course of the next three weeks as the draft approaches with specific terms to which you will be held. Oh, boy, man, that means I got to be really specific. Huh? All right. Well, I'll take a team that was actually on that graphic for Teddy Bridgewater, but I don't think that they're going to trade for Teddy Bridgewater, at least in this scenario. I think that the Broncos are going to go up to number four overall. They're going to trade number nine this year, a 2022 first round pick and a 2022 third round pick. And they'll select Justin Fields. I'm just not convinced that they want to ride with Drew Locke. I think that they have a new GM, George Payton. He's probably going to want to come in, select his own QB, and then down the road next year, who knows what they're going to do with head coach. But I like the way Justin Fields plays. I think we all figure what the quarterbacks are going to be at one, two, and three. After Mac Jones goes to San Francisco, Justin Fields still available. Broncos trade up. They get their quarterback of the future, Mike. Now, and thank you very much for that. I, I think that the Broncos are in play for a trade. I don't think it's going to be a trade-up to get Justin Fields. I think the price is going to be too high. You look at what the Dolphins got from the 49ers. The 49ers go from 12 to 3, 9 to 4, and I just I think it's too much. I think it's not going to happen for that reason. I think what will happen is Teddy Bridgewater to the Broncos with Bridgewater reducing his salary from 17 to 12 with the Panthers paying let's say $3 million of the $10 million fully guaranteed. So the total outlay for the Broncos is $9 million, 
And in return, they give up a fifth round pick for Teddy Bridgewater and possibly a conditional pick next year based upon the number of starts Teddy Bridgewater has. Maybe a six next year, conditional six if he starts eight or more games. I know that's ridiculously specific, but I think that's what's going to happen because George Payton, the GM in Denver, was in Minnesota when they drafted Teddy Bridgewater. They loved Teddy Bridgewater. He never got a chance to become what he could have been with the Vikings because of that freak torn ACL. They love him still in Minnesota, and Peyton's got a chance now to add him to a quarterback room that has Drew Locke, and it's short-term insurance against Locke not getting it done. It removes the urgency to try to trade up, and then you don't have to sit and wait and hope that maybe someone falls to you at nine. Now, I'll say this. Maybe what the Broncos do is sit tight at nine, see what happens, and if a guy doesn't fall to them, or if maybe they can't do a deal with the Falcons or the Bengals or the Dolphins to jump up and get a Fields for a reasonable amount, then after round one, they do that deal with the Carolina Panthers and get Teddy Bridgewater, assuming he's still available. But I think he will be, and I think that his destination will be the Denver Broncos. That's our one pick each draft of the trades that we think should happen as the draft approaches or during the draft itself. We'll wrap up this Thursday edition of PFT PM with a mailbag segment right after this. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispie, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Oh, a paying fan cannot just walk into the ring. I don't care if it is Gronkowski. I mean, well, hey, this is, he may be the greatest tight end in the NFL, but he is a paying fan. What's well, the biggest event? Oh, little tail. What is Gronk? What is Gronk gonna do? God, it's the biggest event Gronk's ever been involved in. Whoa, 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 whoa. It's WrestleMania. Gronkowski's in the ring. He's setting up. Oh, oh what the hell? Just what? That is clapped clean by Gronk. Oh my God. And now Mojo back in time. Oh my God. Gronk is unleashed. Neither two of these guys have a lick of sense. <laughs> Rob Gronkowski, while he was playing for the Patriots, and by the way, this weekend, don't miss WWE's biggest event of the year, WrestleMania. Sign up at PeacockTV.com to stream all the action live April 10 and 11 only on Peacock. At Raymond James Stadium, 
Cue the pirate ship. Gronk playing for the Patriots. I'm amazed the Patriots would let him do that. The physical activity, there's a clause in the contract. Once upon a time, Miles, back when you were probably 14 or 15 years old, Pac-Man oh. Jones was suspended for the full year by the Tennessee Titans, 2007. You were about 15 going on 16. At I some point this. in October, you turned 16. They, they filed a lawsuit, the Titans did, to keep Pac-Man Jones out of the ring, citing the language in the contract that prohibits other activities that could put the player at risk of physical injury. And you look at that hit that Rob Gronkowski applied without pads on, yeah, he could have gotten injured. I'm surprised the Patriots signed off on it. Then again, there's a chance that he followed the old adage, it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission. All right, we have permission to open the mailbag. At Matthew Marvin, who's one player in the NFL, past or present, you'd like to see participate in WrestleMania? Miles, you're up. Uh, I'm not a big WrestleMania guy, so this is just somebody that I think would look really kind of fun without a shirt and just like hulky Aaron Donald. Like, I think that that would be fun because I think he's like very mean and tenacious when he's on the field. Nice guy off of the field. But yeah, he seems like, I mean, in real life, he could probably like pick up a person and throw them across the ring. But I think that that would be fun to see him like hit somebody with a chair. I don't know. I, I, that, that's the guy. For, for me, it's Jack Lambert. Take the teeth out, right, and just be intimidating and mean and nasty. The problem is he went 225. I don't know that he'd survive in a wrestling ring. Even back in the 70s, those guys were pretty big. Back when it was called studio wrestling because, frankly, it was filmed in a TV studio. I, 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 I've been watching wrestling for a long time. Now, I've kind of fallen out of it the last, I don't know, 30 years. But I've been watching the old WrestleManias in the 80s, and there was a strong NFL connection, especially WrestleMania 2. We talked about that earlier today. A lot of NFL players involved in the Royal Rumble in the second WrestleMania. So I'd go with Jack Lambert. He he just fits that that mean and nasty persona, the personality, the way he threw Cliff Harris down to the ground in Super Bowl X. That's got pro wrestling written all over it. All right, playoff cap. This is a good question. What's the craziest NFL story that you can tell regarding player, coach, owner, et cetera, that you have never told before? I, I tell you, uh, I heard one last night that I can't repeat. But that it's when, when you do this job, Miles, you hear crazy stories all the time. I heard one just last night that I shall not and cannot repeat that would, that would curdle milk if I told the story here. One that I will tell you about from a long time ago, and obviously I won't name names. It, it was a love triangle involving coach, quarterback, and a cheerleader. That's all I'm going to say about it. Interesting. Uh, I have been at the Combine once and was at a restaurant there. Not the one that everybody probably would think of, but there was a coach there who was having a lover's tryst with another former employee of a team that that coach used to work for. That's probably the craziest one I've got. Yeah, I'm sure plenty of the crazy stories that we ever could tell had some connection to the scouting combine in Indianapolis. Yes. Maybe it's a good thing that it didn't happen this year. All right, last one, and this is from Sean Alvashire. You said today that if one person gets a colonoscopy based upon our urging, it's worth it. I got mine, and you're right. It's nothing. People do listen. I got an email today from a guy who said, your message, your plea, I'm the person you were talking to when you said there's one person out there who's been putting it off and needs a colonoscopy and is in the age range and has the risk factors and needs to go get it. And that guy, Miles, he scheduled it, and I hope he goes through with it, and I hope everyone out there who needs one gets one. You still got some time before you need yours, but whenever anyone needs theirs, whenever the doctor says get it, Miles, you got to get it. It can save your life. 
Absolutely. I'm very glad that you reached somebody. And heck, if we can reach anybody else with this program, do it. All right, that's it for this Thursday edition of PFDPM. Miles, thanks for your time. Thanks for your time. If you watched, we'll see you tomorrow. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.